Greg. Thanks for taking the time to, to chat with me today. Um, would you mind uh, pronouncing your last name? Sure. Howell. Howell. So Greg Howell. Yep. All right. Um, well, with all these, we kind of like to start at the beginning. Like, you know, where'd you go to college? Why'd you go to take the, the, the classes that you did? That sort of thing. And work our way up to uh, where you are today. Yeah. So... I actually initially started college out going uh, and getting a just kind of uh, general degree in art and computer science. So I started out at just a, a very generic school. After about a year, I just really kind of uh, started to find an interest in graphic arts, um, which spurred me to uh, reach out and uh apply and start attending the Savannah College of Art and Design, and I went there for a degree in graphic design. Um, I had an interest in art at an early age, uh, but I also really like figuring out what made things work. It's kind of a weird combination, and I took a class in graphic design at my first uh, university, and it just kind of spurred the, the interest, and it kind of rolled off from there. Right. So in high school, you were always into like the arts. Arts and chemistry. Really weird mixture okay. <laughs> of things, right? So like, again, it's just I, I love figuring out complex models, how they worked. And I liked drawing and I liked painting at the time. Uh, I don't draw or paint at all mm -hmm. anymore. But, you know, at the time, that was kind of my way of like, I like to figure out systems and then I wanted to visually interpret them. So those were kind of like the two realms, like, you know, taking, uh, taking advanced classes in both of them. Mm -hmm. So was it um, like comic book art or was it like fine art? Uh, that I studied for or like in high school? That, that, that just sort of fueled your passion. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, it was, it was always communication design. Okay. Um, Drawing things and expressing was was kind of a venue when I was much younger. But as I got older, uh, doing that just for myself like never really kind of scratched the itch, so to speak. What really like I I love taking a concept and idea and feeling out how do you express this concept to somebody else for an ultimate gain of like a business need or uh, drawing attention to a cause or something like that. Right. So, you know, as you know, most graphic designers, did, were you the one that would do the the cool graphics for things your friends were up to? So, I mean, when I was uh, uh, when I was going to SCAD, I did a lot of things like that. Um, obviously, I mean, I went to school uh, with a bunch of different artists and a bunch of different designers, uh, animators, insanely talented people. So there was a wealth of us doing. Uh, you know, anything that would come up in the city um, and uh, and trying to apply our expertise there. So I'd say like much more when I got into college, like anything you want a logo, you need to you need to make a banner. You want to make a poster like I would take any any chance to to just make something right on. So, so what was the first gig out of college like when you graduated that you did? So I actually started working before I graduated uh, college. Um, I was hired actually by one of my professors uh, after attending um, his course in brand and identity design okay. and started working for his, uh, his small studio 
um, when I was about a sophomore in oh, college wow. at the time. So that was kind of when I started working uh, full time. I was doing kind of like freelance stuff, and like mm-hmm. I said, the the odd jobs before then can't pinpoint exactly mm-hmm. when when that started. Uh, but that would that was like my first real real job. So what were some of the things that you kind of picked up from that? Um, from that for that first job that influenced kind of how you approach design throughout your college career towards the end. Yeah, I I can say without uh with any hesitation that first job really shaped how I thought about design uh for the 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 rest of my career into this day. I had a really strong mentor like I said professor that that hired me out of school and the one thing that he taught me uh that I wish so many designers will will heed this is that design is ultimately for a business's need. You have to make money at the end of the day and uh, and understanding the business's need and understanding the needs of the people that are ultimately going to consume them. And your job is really to marry those two things together. And if you're not doing that, if you're solely uh, just doing what the business needs or what the customer might uh, want, then you're not doing your job as a designer. And I think sometimes in school and and even sometimes, you know, in the profession, you lose sight of that. So, you know, so that's a, the, the, the going back to like the age old debate, right? Are you an artist or are you a designer? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think both, you can be both certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but ultimately, you know, many designers act as artists, many artists act as, as, as a designer per se. It's really just, am I facilitating, uh, a two-sided transaction or is it a one-sided transaction? Am I only giving one side exactly what they want? We want a website that has a button here that has a price and we just really want people to click on it versus I'm a consumer. I want to experience a brand. I want to experience uh, this website and what it has to offer me. And I want to buy into the thought of buying X product and really feel like I'm a part of that family. So you can go down the the two routes and you can make it visually stunning, but maybe they don't click on something mm-hmm. and you can make it so that they click on something, but you might not get that emotive quality from the user that wants to keep coming back and get that kind of brand value from it. So yeah, you're either transactional or you're, you know, immersing them in an experience. Yeah. And I mean, there's, there's places, there are, uh, plenty of companies that go the more artistic route and it works for them. Mm-hmm. It's part of their joie de vivre it's 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 what makes them unique and there are other companies i mean amazon is amazing at understanding the utility and clicking through and getting people to come back and and you know then you have companies that as as cliche as it may be you have apple who you know we all use them i I think their interfaces are are maybe we'll leave those aside, but let's talk about the products. Let's uh-huh. talk about the physical products that they make. Uh, they make a beautiful product. They make an extremely functional product. They get you to buy in and keep coming back and become real advocates of the brand. And that's the sweet spot that we're all trying to hit. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So as a designer, is it the job to just take the strategy of the business and 
make it visual or is it, you know, using design principles to influence the entire experience? So I guess I can answer that in two different ways. Uh, the first being traditionally, mm -hmm. it's the job of the designer to understand the business model and, and, uh, and make a visual representation of that, so to speak. That's rapidly changing. Um, a lot of tech companies are helping with that. Uh, it's something that's really exciting to see that designers are really becoming advocates for the users, for the people that ultimately uh, interact with, with whatever you're making. And they're being brought to, you know, the, the big seat at the table and saying, well, how does this, how does this work within our business strategy? How could our business strategy be different so that we can really start to achieve a lifetime value with these people that, that buy into our product? So I think right now we're kind of, we're, we're moving quickly into the era of where design will, will, have a more solid seat at the table where you normally have, you know, engineers, business strategy, um, your product organizations. I think they're getting there much faster than some others, um, but there's some big movements there, uh, especially in the tech industry. So design is moving from pure aesthetics into, you know, as, you know, most people call the user experience, right? Yeah. I mean, I, some design is mm -hmm. well, like it's so I, there's there's different levels of it like not every designer wants to do that mm -hmm. and that's completely fine just like not every developer wants to be a back-end developer some of them want to be a purely css html developer some of them just love javascript like mm -hmm. there's absolute needs for specialized roles but i think what organizations are really uh latching on to is that somebody that understands human approach to thinking mm -hmm is sitting at that table and advocating for that, not just what is our bottom line and what are the traditional business methods of getting there. How do you leverage your relationship with the people that use the product to actually get something a little bit further uh, out of them? So, I mean, the closest relationship that, you know, comes to mind is is the relationship between marketing and an organization. Mm -hmm. So marketing or advertising is is really there to... Uh, evoke the brand, the spirit of the, the company, but also really get something back. I think what we're seeing is a shift in product organizations to say, well, we're also building these products, we're designing these products. How can that process, how can that help us figure out what we should build next so that we can do the best as our business and have a, have a longer relationship with the people using our products? Got you. Okay, so, okay. so we're going to go down a, a rabbit hole here, but just to frame it up, what, um, just do some rapid definitions as, as you would define them. So when you, when you hear advertising, what do you, what, what comes to mind? Like an advertising designer, just advertising as the, like, this is what this industry is. This is what this industry is. Cause I think there's a lot of times I hear advertising and marketing used interchangeably, Yeah, but I, you know, I feel like people have very different understanding of what the the two mean. Yeah. So to me, and I again, this is only in in my group of one. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yep <laughs> absolutely. Um, for me, advertising has always been about promoting a brand, uh, 
trying to evoke a feeling at a moment in time that latches on to kind of like a cultural movement. Um, it doesn't, you know, have to latch onto a specific cultural movement, but what is the culture at that specific moment in time? How can this brand adhere to it? How can it disrupt it in some ways to, to really give life to who these people are, why you should buy into Coca-Cola, why you should buy mm-hmm. into Apple, why you should buy into whatever, uh, you know, piece of software, mm-hmm. uh, Spotify, you know, like yeah. that's, it's promoting the, the brand values out in an effort to grow a wider audience. Marketing, I think, is more of like that day in, day out, in the trenches. This is what our brand's about. This is what we have to offer. How do we get our numbers up? And how do we leverage some of the brand to do that? So I think when, for me, you think of advertising, you think of big idea, big campaigns that get distilled down to into like your more everyday marketing efforts. Okay. And then design versus user experience. Oh, I don't draw a distinction between okay. those. Um, uh, I I think user experience is, is much more than... Um, I, I take that back. So I think user experience is much more than just design. Okay. Um, user experience to me is exactly uh, that word. And I think actually it's very it becomes very powerful when you put an apostrophe and an S at the end of that first word. Users experience. Mm-hmm. And so what builds up a user's experience? It's not just the design of it. It's how it's engineered. Does it work all the time? Is it without fault? Uh, what are its faults? Where are we choosing to fail? What is it like when I call somebody in customer uh, support? What's that interaction like? The user's experience to me has always related back to very early on that kind of idea of what is it's like a, it's a microcosm of the brand. What is that brand? What is my experience like using their product? How do I relate with them? A lot can be said, you know, uh, uh, I'm going to steer away from, from Apple for, for a second. But if you go to another really great piece of software like, um, like Intercom, Intercom is very focused on, on uh, uh, the user's experience. And how does interacting with that product make me feel about Intercom? That's their biggest venue for that. For other companies where they have a larger portfolio, there's lots of different avenues for it. So really to me, it's just kind of boiled down from what is the brand about and what is the product's experience? Like what is it like to interact with that brand? And part of that's serving the design of what the physical product or the, the application might look like. Gotcha. Okay. So with that as the framework, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I shared this with you, but they, there's been a lot of talk around Uber's rebrand mm-hmm. and how they reposition themselves. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when you talk to folks in the startup and tech world, you know, I hear kind of two camps. One, it's more cost efficient to do it in-house. Yep. Um, and Two, there's less chance of of leaks of our overall strategy beyond mm-hmm. just so the messaging that comes out is a part of a much broader strategy. Yeah. And being in-house, you know, if you're a part of that team and you're privy to, you know, non-public information, you can make more informed decisions around um, how that 
initial new positioning is presented and mm. therefore will scale, right? right? Yeah. Versus when you talk to agency folks, you know, having a lot of friends in the advertising agency world, um, you know, the pushback is they, you know, they, they don't have the, the, the big ideas that we have. Um, so, you know, where, where do you fall on, on that spectrum? So, uh, I guess just to clarify the question, is it, is it more so, um, what do I think about just that general thought process or is it, do I think, uh, in-house is better at, uh, something like an, a large scale advertisement or a branding project versus an outside agency. I think it's more the, when you, when you hear that, what are the things that go through your mind? So I, I don't think there's yeah. a right or wrong way, yep. but you know, there's, there's obviously positions, right? So sure. where do you shake out on, on that? Yeah. So as someone who has done, internal and external rebrands and large-scale advertising projects, the first thing you have to figure out is what does the the role of design play at that particular organization. It's a really important topic to, to be had. A lot of companies say they're design forward or want to put the best design at you know the utmost of what they're going to do. That comes with a cost, though. It comes with the time cost. And that's a... It sounds trivial, but it's a huge component of what you're actually able to do. This is this is a large-scale project, oftentimes large advertising campaigns. There's creative energy that has to go into them. It's not like your day-to-day where you just run in sprints and just like churn something out really quickly. This is where that kind of going deep into your 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 training and pulling out the most creative and thought-provoking solution, big ideas, make it as expressive as you can, uh, comes from. So you need the time to do that. Is the organization willing to give you the time? Do you have the people that can fulfill the everydays of what's happening? There's, there's a cost there of, um, if you're working on this large-scale project, well, you're not going to be able to do everything. So are we giving up things for that? So that's that's where, you know, interior projects, Ubers, I think, took something like an entire year to do uh, versus Google's redesign. When they redid their logo and the animations, they dumped their designers on a plane, sent them to their office in New York and said, take a week. Take a week and make this the only thing you do and come back with, you know, whatever you have. You read that article and it's like, man, that's that's phenomenal. Um, but that's an investment by the company. Uh, you know, I get the sense of most of the articles that I read from from Uber and their their team. Like this wasn't their dedicated thing that they were just doing. They're still taking care of the the day to day of the application design and the experience of the entire product portfolio. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the first uh, the the first thing that you have to come to grips with. Like well, what is what is the overall role in, in design and can we get the time that we need to properly approach this? The second thing you're you're going to want to figure out is, you know, 
it's not so much a a talent factor it is as it is a uh an interest factor sometimes um is this brand design advertising design are very different from maybe like your day-to-day marketing design uh very different from like your every day-to-day product design again it goes into those special specialities i might have the ability to design for product and i might really love that i might really hate doing logo types i might really hate trying to think of what is an artistic direction for photography style there's no reason to believe that one designer likes to to do both. So mm-hmm. is your internal team structure there that you have the the talent available not only in time but on the roster to take on something like this? Do you think um tech companies are more just the way products are built um today? Do you think that it's more the, the 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 design team is more equipped to do that sort of thing or or no just in terms of knowledge and 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 uh understanding of the customer is is that kind of the crux of like this is the business strategy this is where we want to go we clearly be able to make better more informed decisions because we're in there we're in the trenches we we understand yeah, that's the difference between internal and external always. But sometimes your view from inside the forest is very different from somebody that's able to step back and take a look at the entire landscape. There's, to me, it's, there's never going to be a black and white answer there. Mm-hmm. It's just the internal makeup of like what are your team's passions and what are their, their capacities. Um, if I'm spending every day trying to figure out how to increase the conversion rate on this one transaction, doing user testing on that, figuring out like what are the stop gaps? What is somebody thinking when they get to this page? How can I get them to the next? What are the 18 other areas they could jump off and go to next? And then you say, by the way, tomorrow we're going to switch that up and you're going to be talking about color palettes and uh, and photography <laughs> direction. It's an entirely different mental model. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, 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 some people might like that change and some people might not be as interested in it. Right on. Um, trend wise, do you see, do you expect to see, and you look into your crystal ball, do you expect mm-hmm. to see more of that, um, of, of what Uber did? Or do you think, you know, companies, tech companies are going to start going back the other way? And a perfect example would be, for the longest time, Google never advertised on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're starting to see Google ads for their products show up um, on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do you see more of that happening or less? Um, so uh, will, will tech companies inevitably become more internalized than... Uh, then maybe you're more traditional companies, a Coca-Cola, a BMW, or something like that. Yeah. I'm going to go out on a limb and say no. No? I bet not. I think there's a lot of really great work that happens uh, in tech companies. And there's a lot of really great... I know a, a wealth of extremely talented designers that work at places like Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. 
there's just a huge difference in the the day-to-day -day of what you're doing. Um, I'm not saying these people are not able to do it. Mm -hmm. Of course, they're able to do it. It's just, is that in the, the company's structure to, to be able to allow them to do it? You look at a company like a, a, one of the most design-forward companies that, that you can talk about, Airbnb. Mm -hmm. Airbnb outsourced their their a large part of their rebrand and their marketing efforts and campaigns, and they did some of it internal. It was kind of like you bring in an outside team and you work with them. So do I ever think it's going to be fully internalized? No. Do I think it's going to be the exact model of like your Don Draper is working for the tobacco companies? No, I don't think it's probably going to be that either. I think it's going to be somewhere in a mix where we say, you know what, we need this one really dedicated specific team, but we really want to embed them with the people that do our design or our product thinking day in and day out. Like maybe we bring them in and we work jointly on mm -hmm. something for the next six, nine months. And I think that's probably the best mixture that you can have because you're not going to do a big rebrand every six, nine months. You're mm -hmm. not going to do a big advertising campaign every three months. But for those three months, it might be great to have the team to, to come in and have somebody with complete outside perspective. So, okay, so then, so this, some more nimble agencies that are very focused that can come in, embed, deliver on, you know, whatever the solution is that they're trying to solve, but then not be that overhead. So kind of like not having necessarily agency of records. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean... It, there's um there's a great company out in uh San Fran I I think it's Uno Unio um they did they were a large part of Airbnb's redesign they also do work for Dropbox and Medium and um they kind of come in with like these big ideas of of uh, what a new strategy guide could be like for a business planning guide for Dropbox and they you know mock that up and do it within Dropbox's uh, brand style and kind of embed themselves a little maybe a little bit with their teams just to understand like and and how to implement thereafter um, and I think some of that that's a really cool model to, mm -hmm. to take a look at in the, the future. Right. What do you think of, um, so transitioning now, uh, what do you think of design thinking as a, as a way of coming up with ideas? Um, design thinking is, I'll, I'll, I'll ask you, uh, when you say that word, everybody has a different connotation of what design thinking is, what, um, what exactly would would you qualify? Well, I, I I think of design thinking as in the same vein as as human centered design, right? Mm -hmm. So you're solving for an actual human being. So the methodologies that you use to come up with the solution is grounded in um, solutions for a real person. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of when I think about it. That's that that's how I was trained in it. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm a I'm a huge believer that uh, designers of any make and model um, can bring a lot to the table. The things that we're we're trained in really do transcend the thought process of just choosing a typeface or choosing how much white space or choosing what a button color is or where you go. 
Um, a lot of what we're doing is really thinking what is, again, that overall experience of reading this book. Like, let's take a really, really uh, small microcosm of this, somebody that's a typesetter. Mm-hmm. What is it like to read this page? Can I read it well? Is the type size big enough? Um what is the character length on the line? All of these are to a purpose so that a person can consume information and whether it's an ad, a book, or anything else, walk away with something that they didn't have. If you really distill that down, what you're trying to do is figure out how can I, the designer, make this person walk away with what they want to understand. I'm doing that through the venue of typesetting this page. Mm-hmm. But what I'm really actually trying to figure out is through my own skill set, how can I help somebody get away with the ultimate goal of walking away with more information? So if you can take yourself out of your, you know, kind of designer shoes for a second, take a look at the the landscape, landscape, so to speak, and say, well, what is it that we're trying to get people to do? And how can I leverage my abilities? How can I leverage how I think about things to help the business get there? That's where you start to see some really powerful companies, companies like Amazon, like Airbnb, like Apple, like Google now, um, that are really starting to leverage design. It comes through in the visuals. People see the visuals, Mm -hmm. but there's so much more underlying than that. It's what they're actually trying to do. It's not saying like, we want to get this person to buy X. Okay, that's good, but we want them to stick around. So maybe what we actually want to do this is me, the designer mm-hmm. speaking, is start to foster a relationship with them. Maybe we want to be a thought leader in this uh, this space. And then maybe because we're a thought leader and they consume all of our information, not only do they buy our product, but they look to us at how to use our product, how to get better at leveraging their product. In the mm-hmm. So it, there's there's subtleties there, but yeah, I mean, design thinking is a is a really powerful powerful way for business to uh to differentiate themselves cool all right well um we're almost at the end here but i would like to ask you about some of your productivity hacks like what are some of the things that you you use to be better on a day-to-day basis you know things like i wake up at five o'clock in the morning type things like yeah i (laughs) yeah (laughs) Well, I, I do wake up at five o'clock in the morning. Um, and that's mostly, I, I usually have a pretty jam packed day. Um, I talk to a lot of different groups because a lot of times what the, the design team does is we bring these kind of disparate groups within an organization together and try to realize what's, what's going to come out of it. So that requires a lot of talking sometimes, but we are also makers. We need our maker time. Um, you have to build that into your day, whether it means like I'm going to get up an extra two hours early and cram that in before people get into the office or you block off your your time during the day to make sure that you have the right amount of time to uh, to get things done. But that's the most important for anybody that's in kind of uh, uh, the the creative mindset. I find the biggest challenge with myself and any of the designers that I work with, it's that flux between one type of thinking to another, very analytical thinking to creative thinking to uh, implementing a piece of work. You just don't 
turn a knob in your brain and go immediately from one into the other. So you need to understand that and you need to understand how to build portions of your day dedicated to each of these things. So for me, it's the, it is the two and a half hours that I get into the office before anybody else gets there that if I need to make or do something, I know that's my most, my creative peak comes first thing in the morning. So I've built that into my day. And at the very end of the day, that's where I do my analytical tasks. That's where I go through. And if I need to review work, if I need to uh, take a look at a user flow, I can be very analytical at the beginning of the day where I have more kind of uh, thought-provoking ideas at the beginning. So that's just structuring your day around how you as a person work. And it's different for everybody. Okay. You, you coffee? Oh uh, yeah, I I do. It's it, you know working at a startup, they always have like Red Bull and coffee. Like <laughs> any form of caffeine that you could ever need is is really hard to stay away from it. Yeah. So you like you know first thing in the morning, don't talk to me until I have my first cup of coffee, or do you kind of ease into it? First thing in the morning, roll right out of bed, put the kettle on the stove like it's it's uh, it's happening right then. <laughs> you can talk to me whether I'm going to be coherent back or not is is entirely different. But at 5 a.m. in the morning, the only person that's talking to me is usually my partner. I can get away with a few hours of silence until about 7 a.m. when people start, uh, start slacking me. Right on. Yeah. Cool. Well, Greg, um, this was an absolute pleasure. Um, thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah, 